0: Hey guys, welcome to the Christ Chapel Parent Podcast. We are doing our second episode today, having real conversations to help you win at home. My name is Caroline Smallwood. I'm the Middle School Girls Director at the West Campus here at Christ Chapel, and I've also got Joel here with me.
1: Yes, hello everybody, parents, listeners out there. My name is Joel. I am our 5th and 6th grade pastor at our Fort Worth campus here at Christ Chapel, and like Caroline said, this is our second episode. We made it through our first one. Uh, if you haven't gotten to listen to that one, go ahead and go back and listen to it. We talked about sex. Surely the most was, daunting. Yes, you get, get yes. The, you know. We, we uh, ran out of the gate with a doozy. We did. <laughs> uh, and so we're going to have, uh, one, uh, you know, an equally as important conversation, I think, today about something that, if you're a parent, affects you every day. It affects us all the time in ministry and, and how we approach ministry. And it should affect the way that I think our parents approach parenting. Um, And that is the adolescent brain, the development of the adolescent brain, or maybe what feels like sometimes is lack thereof,
0: the adolescent
1: brain. Yeah, Um,
0: I think that if we... thought about it we all have stories about the time maybe we saw the adolescent brain being a great thing yes. and they blew us away yes. and maybe sometimes where we saw that it just wasn't there there yeah. was no brain yeah. probably so, most
1: people if they have a story it's definitely the latter it's prob- probably
0: <laughs> the so actually Joel, whenever we were kind of talking about this and getting ready for this you told me a funny story that maybe resembles a little bit about how they maybe don't have Quite the brain functioning of an adult. So you want to tell the parents about your little Christmas yes. oh, episode. Oh, yes,
1: the Christmas episode. Yeah, so um, yeah, as we were talking about this, this story just came to mind, and it is such a perfect example of just how the adolescent or soon-to-be adolescent brain works. Uh, so we were uh, doing our Christmas series in 5th 6th. So, so here at the Fort Worth campus, our 5th 6th place is called The Fish Tank. And so we were having our students decorate the fish tank for Christmas as part of our Christmas series. Which we're is talking, a gamble, anyway. Yes, exactly, yes. Having We weren't, we weren't really going for quality in looks of decoration, but it was, you know, drove home this illustration of preparing for Christmas, so we're going to prepare, you know, for celebrating Christ's birth by decorating, you know, we wrap presents in preparation, all that stuff, so we let them decorate. So we had all this wrapping paper and ribbon and Christmas ornaments and Christmas trees. I mean, we we went all out for this and it did not look good anyways (laughs) it got done yeah it looked like the adolescent brain had (laughs) decorated it so we get done our service wraps up and we're kind of having our hangout time at the end and i'm standing uh with my back to what is the majority of our room i'm kind of by our door i'm standing kind of with my back like i said to the majority of the room and, and all of a sudden i hear the sound of glass breaking Right, so when you hear the sound of glass breaking, for me, I had like twofold of my sort of radar go off. Right, there's the youth pastor radar of like, okay, I hear glass breaking, but also I'm a parent too, and so you hear glass breaking, and you're like, all right, this this is not good. That's not a not good a sound. Not usually
0: a good thing. No,
1: and so I turn around, and as I turn around to face uh, you know the larger part of the room, I have come around just in time to see what's now the second edition of uh, one of our boys tossing to another boy a Christmas ornament, a little Christmas ball ornament, um, and him using an empty wrapping paper tube to hit it like they're playing baseball. (laughs) So he, as I am assuming he did with the first one, just makes perfect contact, and glass goes flying everywhere. I mean, little bits of glass. And so I instantly am like, what what are you doing i walk over there i'm like what are you guys doing what were you thinking right that's not safe there's people around there is you know that's not yours you don't own these things what right do you have to break them you know i just let you guys decorate all this stuff you're taking down the decorations you know what were you thinking and of course I'm met by the response that we as youth workers experience all the time from guys and girls. Yes. It's not just necessarily uh-huh. a guy thing. Mm-hmm. From guys and girls and parents, I know that you have heard this response. So I asked them all these questions, and i met with kind of a blank stare, hands in the pockets, and just a, I don't know.
0: I don't but, know what I was thinking. I,
1: yeah, I, I don't know why I did that. The answer to every single one of your questions is, I don't know. And that phrase, Caroline, I feel like is just a great descriptor of the adolescent brain. It's just this, I don't know. I don't know why I did that. I don't know why I said that. I don't know why I thought this would be a good idea. I don't, you know, just this, I don't know phrase.
0: Yeah, and I think as authorities in their life, whether it's a youth worker or a parent, Whenever we're met with that response, it's frustrating
1: Absolutely. because they're
0: not giving us the information that we want or totally. need. We feel like they're holding things back from no. us. They're not being open, mm. you know, things well, you, like you that. You kind of
1: take it as that's their sort of their cop-out answer. Yeah. It's like, no, you know what you were doing. Don't tell me that you don't know.
0: Yeah. 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 So I think that um, that's why it's so important to kind of know about their brain, know what is going on in there. Mm-hmm. What were they thinking? Yeah. Why is their answer? Yeah. I don't know.
1: Yes. Because you're probably not going to get it from them because they really, and what we're going to talk about sort of is they don't know. They really don't. They really don't know. Uh, And you actually, uh, it was kind of interesting in what kind of sparked our sort of conversation of this was a few weeks ago we did a staff training thing for our Life Stage 1, our student ministry staff, and you got to talk about the adolescent brain. And this is actually a topic that you kind of got interested in and got really invested in and learned a whole lot About And so you have a great sort of insight that I think will be really helpful for our parents and also kind of help spur our conversation on about the adolescent brain. And so I think it'd be cool if just you took just a few minutes to just explain to our parents just kind of, one, what got you interested Mm -hmm. in the adolescent brain? And then two, just kind of what what do you feel like is one of the biggest, best things for parents to know about their students' brains?
0: Yeah, so I grew up at a church where their saying was, middle schoolers can change the world. And I believed that. And I was raised like that. Preteens, middle schoolers, adolescents, they can change the world. Which they can, by the way. They can. I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah, so I grew up believing that. And so as I got older, I believed it, and I started preaching it, and then I gave my life to the job of believing that. And then um, I also just got interested in some science and some psychology, and so I kind of decided... I would like to know why I really believe this, because I've seen it come true, um, and I, and I want to know kind of what is happening in an adolescent, in a preteen, in a teenager, that makes them so capable of changing the world, yet also so likely to not you know, they're capable, yeah. but they do not always what live into that. Yeah. So I started to kind of look into some different stuff, and what I found was the brain. I mean, it's so different at the time, at the age that they're at. It's so different than an adult or a child's brain. And so that's kind of the thing that stuck out to me. So the number one thing that we should all know, and parents, you might have heard it before. But is that your frontal lobe doesn't fully grow, it isn't fully grown until girls about age 25 and boys. So, the most important thing that we need to know is that your frontal lobe is not fully grown until you're in your mid to late 20s. For girls, it's between 23 and 25, and boys is between 25 and 27. Gotcha. And that's important because of what the frontal lobe is in charge of. Okay, I was
1: just about to ask you what to say. For those of us like me who are not... Uh, you know, good you know, with any kind of the scientific. Brain often. Yes. <laughs> what What exactly is the frontal lobe and what does it do? And, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. The main thing is that it is in charge of. this won't surprise you that they don't have it yet. It's in charge of logical reasoning. Okay. It's in yeah. charge of assessing those negative yes. consequences. Gotcha. So thinking if I hit.
1: So do guys ever get a pre- <laughs>
0: That is a question I have for you, Joel. Well, actually, I'm gonna wonder: <laughs> Is 27 realistic, or yeah. should we push it to you know 50 or? <laughs> Uh, so you know when he hits that that ornament with his wrapping paper bat he's not assessing negative consequences mm-hmm. he maybe is assessing the positive consequences because they already have that in their brain he's, this is will be fun cool. yeah. Yeah, this is watching fun. the glass explode will exactly. be awesome but assessing maybe someone could get hurt yeah. I, I probably shouldn't break this. things Exactly. Right. he's not assessing that because gotcha. it's not in his brain so that's one thing it's also in charge of language and so um, just trying to put their their thoughts and their feelings into words and into mm-hmm. sentences. Yeah. A lot of times their answer, I don't know. Yeah. Because they just can't communicate it.
1: Yeah. And so like, that so that desire in me in that moment to have them want to be like, I want you to show me that you that you're remorseful for this. They kind of don't have the brain their brain hasn't developed the ability to communicate like oh with their words at least oh, i feel bad
0: yes about doing yeah this. yeah they just can't uh-huh. quite put that into you know into sentences so and then the third thing it's in charge of is um it balances out the amygdala okay which is the part of the brain in charge of emotions okay so if you don't have the frontal lobe there's nothing to balance out the emotions gotcha hence Sometimes preteens and teenagers might be a little emotional.
1: Yes, yes, which I think that that's one of the sides where, because when you talk about the adolescent brain or lack thereof, we tend to focus on the guy's side of things because they're the ones who tend to do more
0: Say the, sort I of, don't know. yeah, the
1: I don't know, the, the, the dumber things. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. with girls, I think it's important to know too that that explains a lot of, you know, and guys can definitely be emotional too, but a lot of the emotional swings all over the place because they, I guess because that prefrontal lobe isn't developed, they don't have the ability to rein in their emotions or to explain them to you or to be have the perspective, I guess, that maybe you can have as an adult of what is a big deal and what isn't yeah. a big deal and what demands what level of emotional response is demanded from certain things. And that's so interesting. And I think that it's so mm-hmm. important to know, especially when it comes to raising up yeah. a child, because mm-hmm. you know, knowing where their brain is at and understanding it. You know, I've noticed even with my own children, which are not in the adolescent phase, Mm -hmm. but we have a two-year-old and an eight-month-old. And especially with a two-year-old, I think that understanding where she's at developmentally, she's kind of in what people would call the terrible twos. Mm -hmm. Um, And so understanding, though, that, man, you know, she's not terrible, right? But just where she's at developmentally, you know, she is trying on her emotions for the first time. Mm -hmm. She's trying to figure out, hey, how do I get what I want? How do I get mom and dad to listen to me? How do I use this little voice that I'm beginning to get? And me and my wife are really her only sounding boards. And so we get the brunt of it. But what I've found is I've tried to really understand her brain and how to parent her better based upon where she's at developmentally, which is funny because her phase of life, as far as the amount that she's learning, Mm -hmm. is really similar to an adolescent brain of just what she's taking in and experiencing. You know, it makes it so that those moments when she's having those tantrums, it's a lot easier for me to go to compassion instead of frustration. Yes. Because I get that it's like, you know, I I don't really expect anything less from you, right? Because this is just kind of where you're at. And then the cool thing, which I think is really similar with an adolescent, is then... I get to step in and say, Not only can I have compassion, but now because I understand this, I can leverage yes. it to help you grow more into the person that God's
0: created yes, to be. That's it. In John ten fourteen it says that Jesus knows his sheep. Hmm. And I think that we are called to know our sheep. Just like with Olivia, you know her. And so we are called to know our sheep, know what they're going through and where they're at so that we can do exactly what you said, kind of leverage that to help them glorify the Lord and become disciples. And I think that the hard balance, I would say, is, okay, now that you know, you know, okay, Olivia's in her terrible twos or, you know, a teenager doesn't necessarily have their full brain. Now that you know that, what is the balance between using that as an excuse?
1: Absolutely. You know, oh, yeah.
0: well, she, you know, Olivia, she's just going to scream and kick and bite and it's fine because she's she She'll too. grow out of it. Right. Well, yeah. you know, obviously we don't want to do that. We also don't want to expect her to never do those things yeah, because absolutely. she's two. Totally. So I think the, the hard thing is that balance of how do I have compassion for my preteen, mm-hmm. have compassion for an adolescent, yet still kind of raise the bar for, um, for that. And so, so how do we use what we know to kind of influence their spiritual formation? Yeah.
1: Because I think you know, an aspect, I would assume, I'm not super versed in the, uh, you know, the act of shepherding, of actually having sheep, mm-hmm. but I would imagine that part of being a good shepherd is knowing your flock and so knowing how to best help and move them along and probably probably leveraging the most yield from your flock that you can. And I think that when I think about the brain and the opportunities, it is a lot about that. How do I use where my student is at, where their brain is at developmentally, understanding that their prefrontal cortex, you know, lobe, whatever, uh, is not fully developed. How do I now leverage that to give them the best opportunity for spiritual growth yeah. in the phase that they're in? Because the reality is that God gave them their brain you know, it's it, your brain yeah. serves a purpose. It's meant to do something. It's not an
0: accident that it's not fully grown. Exactly. God yes. Like and so,
1: that. how can you, as a parent, you know, shepherd that well? And how can you leverage that the aspects of that they don't know, that they can't process consequences, that they can't really, you know, have their emotions? How do you use that to ultimately move your student? towards a more vibrant, more thriving relationship with the Lord or a a brain that's rooted and grounded in yeah. God and in sort of a biblical perspective and a worldview.
0: Yeah, so you said something earlier whenever we were just kind of talking about this that I really loved in the part when we're talking about assessing negative consequences. Mm-hmm. Right? They don't maybe they don't, they don't have that logic. They yeah. don't have those those negative consequences to assess. So that that may not come to them naturally, but you kind of pointed out that's what the scriptures are for. Yeah. That's when you take them to the scriptures and you show them that what the scriptures say about acting in disobedience mm-hmm. or what the scriptures say about acting out in this way or that way and using, okay, they, their brain isn't there where they can process it on their own. But if we can ingrain scripture in them, right, raise up a child in yeah. the way they should go and they won't depart from it. Yeah. If we can ingrain scripture in them where they are now and use that, it's an outside source mm-hmm. that can teach them yeah. when maybe their brain isn't quite yes. there.
1: Yeah, because as they're I think that's a great point, because as they're developing uh, you know, these things, because it's not like their brain will never be there, it's in the their brain's in the process of yeah. of, you know, developing those things of thinking about consequences and emotions and all of those things. And so the more that we can bring them back to God's design for those emotions or the way that God handles discipline or the way that the Bible would say that we need to assess our actions and the consequences for actions, the better. Because another thing that you shared about the brain that I thought that was really interesting is the idea that your thoughts are these physical things. And it's almost like working a muscle. The more you work out a certain thing. Thought, the stronger it gets and the more true that it becomes. And so if you, during the adolescent years, can sort of pick, hey, these are the core truths, hopefully drawn from scripture, that I'm going to try to ingrain in my child, even when they're not being those things, or that I'm going to try to help kind of work out that muscle, so to speak, of that thought in their brain you know, as that, you know, that begins to develop, they're going to really begin to believe that and really have that foundation. And also understanding, I think that the the importance of that, you know, those patterns can be developed positively or negatively. You know, if if your student hears a consistent message of, why don't you know? You know, yeah. why don't you know? Mm-hmm. I can remember, you know, some things that just patterns of, uh, growing up of adolescence of just kind of which is indicative of the age group of that hey you know you're kind of stupid mm-hmm, you're kind of slow mm-hmm. you know you're not thinking you're not using your brain where's your head at what you know these things that, that if we're not careful we can build up a, a muscle mm-hmm, so to speak mm-hmm. or, a, or a thought process mm-hmm. and that neural pathway has been worn through yep. so many times that once that lobe is closed we're left with an adult who really believes that I'm not smart yeah. I don't think mm-hmm. i don't know how to use my brain i need I'm, I'm afraid to make decisions for myself you know they don't have that really strong firm foundation of scripture and what the bible has to say as far as what it means to regulate our emotions and to assess consequences and to make decisions yeah yeah and
0: that makes me think of two things i don't want to forget the first one is that um i've just been really convicted lately that you know as a youth worker and of course as a parent m- the goal of raising a kid is not good behavior Or discipline, right? The goal is to make a disciple. Mm -hmm. And so I think that sometimes we get frustrated with their behavior and we just kind of overlook their heart. You know, we kind of overlook where their brain is Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, that they're a shepherd, that they're a sheep, and that we need to raise them up. And so I think it's important as we talk about this and talk about discipline in their brains that, you know, we remember that the goal isn't good behavior, it's to make a disciple of Jesus Christ. Yes,
1: yes. And speaking from this perspective of a parent, you know, our kids are yeah, so little. Yeah. That, you know, that decision is so important. It's so hard. Ugh, it's so, in the I moment. I can only imagine. In the moment, it's so much easier just to rattle off an order oh. to your kid or to just want them to stop doing what they're doing because it'll just make your life easier. Instead of taking the time, you know, to do something that seems ridiculous, like it seems ridiculous to stop and to get down on my two-year-old's level and to look her in her eyes and try to explain something to her. But understanding that in the long run, that's really going to raise up a, a disciple instead of just somebody who kind of operates out of this fear-based mentality of what is my dad going to do or what is my dad going to think, yeah. which I think is so important as parents to yeah to remember that we're not trying to raise up obedient children, we're trying to raise up disciples who will be obedient because in they're turn. disciples exactly yeah because we as parents you know we're called. To steward our children. Mm-hmm. They're not ours. Mm-hmm. They're God's. Yeah. Their mind is not ours. It's the Lord's. Mm-hmm. He gave it to them. Mm-hmm. And so we are really called to be good stewards of that and to raise our children up with minds and thought processes that are God honoring. Yeah. And that align with with the way that He would do it. And so we're called to direct and to guide and to discipline our children in the way that the Lord would do it and the way that he does do it with us
0: yeah and something that I notice about Jesus you know in in the gospels is that he almost always takes does the thing that takes longer yeah he almost always Mm -hmm. stops and gets down on a knee and talks to people and stops and pauses and asks them questions and he does the thing that takes longer yeah so as you're talking about discipline I think a lot of times if we want to work the best we can with the brain of an adolescent, usually it takes longer. And even as a youth worker, where I'm only with them a couple hours a week. I am so guilty of don't do that, stop doing this, yes. sit down. Just kind
1: of barking orders. Yeah, just telling them
0: what to do. It just makes life easier. But I think whenever we look at them and remember... I am trying to help you become a disciple, then, you know, that's whenever it's easier to sit and say, hey, let's not do that anymore because... So instead, do this. Yes. And kind of help them process through yeah. that. Absolutely. And I think that um, one way that we can kind of do that, and like you said, if we do the harder work earlier, it gets mm-hmm. easier. Yes, exactly. And one of the reasons for that is repetition. Yes. A right? Yes. Repeating things that we've said before. Like you said... A thought is like a muscle, yeah, and so that repetition of i 've told you this before i 'm going to tell you again yes. and telling in different ways, mm-hmm. I think that 's why we um, ha- you know memorize scripture, yeah, you say it again and again, and then it starts to play into your life, and, but repetition is such an important thing, so um, I know we use repetition at Christ Chapel
1: yeah absolutely with our students yeah all throughout their adolescent years that repetition piece of kind of the core things that we really want them to walk away with at the end of their time with us and, and I think that that even brings up a good point of you know that we as the church can come alongside with our parents and kind of meet in the middle of, of that repetition. You know, of saying, hey, well, we're going to teach them here at church. We want to help that align with what you're teaching them at home. And their small group leader can drive the same thing in too. And hopefully between the three of us, this can we can begin to get some traction here. That muscle can begin to grow a little bit to really kind of wear into those neuro pathways that we're talking about to kind of set up some habits and the thought processes. Because eventually, with enough repetition, the light bulb will switch on. You yes. know, like, oh, yes. I... I
0: get Now this. that I've heard it one thousand yeah, times, well,
1: and that's the thing, and I can remember for me, being in college, right, and uh, meeting with with you know, so I had some awesome leaders in my life in college yeah. that were involved with campus ministries and different things, and, and them telling things to me that I had heard my whole life, but when I was in college, that's when it clicked. Yeah, you know, and it was like. Probably because your brain was fully developed. Yeah. (laughs) This is starting to make sense. Right? But I don't know that that would have happened if I hadn't been hearing that leading up to that point.
0: Definitely.
1: And so I think that the more that we can do as a church, and this is something that we're Mm -hmm. committed to, Mm -hmm. right? To helping you with those repetitions and helping you really drive home what they learn here. Because I I talk with our parents in our physics Mm -hmm. ministry we use the language of our Sunday mornings being a launch pad, mm-hmm, yeah. and the idea with that is that our Sundays are not, uh, not a, a filling station, so to speak. You come in, you kind of get your tank full, and then you go out, but instead they're a launch pad, and with a rocket, when it's launched off of its launch pad, it's going to something, right? It's full potential and trajectory is not met. The launch pad is the starting place. Yeah, it's not, not the goal. point. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so we try to say, hey, parents, how can we use our Sundays to launch you into a week of having conversations with your student about what we're talking yeah. about, of having that repetition with them you know, to really make sure that they're hearing these things. And that they're hearing the same overarching principles. And we actually have four things that we really like to drive. Yeah, home yeah. I was gonna say in student ministry. Right
0: before I came on staff, actually, um, you guys worked on, you know, kind of got this information about development and where mm-hmm. the kids are at. And- yeah. And kind of what is going to help them most And I think it was so smart And I'm so glad that we do this Came up with four things yes. You know, four yeah. four subjects that it's like Every sermon, yeah. every lesson, every small group Should be under one of these umbrellas Absolutely. So that we are repeating So doing it, we call it the core four Yes, um, yes so,
1: so quiz time here If our boss, Kevin Lambick, is listening Karen, This is quiz time Could you say those four things, what they are?
0: I, I will tell you what the four things are The okay. four things are Jesus Okay community yes. growth and mission yes
1: all right jesus community growth so that's and mission. pretty good right that is i'm going good to test you further test. okay
0: each okay. of those four is it has I have has a
1: pastor with my title i'm giving yeah yeah this is yeah. you're in charge here yeah. okay. so oh, yeah.
0: so each of those four has a saying with yes. it right can you tell us what they are yes
1: i can so so with jesus our goal for for your students with jesus is we want each of them walking with jesus daily With community, we want each of your students connecting with the larger faith family. For growth, we want each of your students thirsting after God's word. And for mission, we want each of your students to reflect Jesus to their world. And so kind of our goal is that by the time a kid graduates, that they will have really had those four things ingrained in who they are. And like you said, Caroline, all of our teaching, all of our small group curriculum, all of our strategic trips. And events mm-hmm. like when we send high schoolers on a ski trip, when our middle schoolers go to Stainless, mm-hmm. when our fifth and sixth graders go to Super those are all geared towards driving those things home and really helping our students really internalize those things for themselves and them kind of just becoming a part of who they are. And so our lessons that we teach, and you know, if you get cued into those through our emails, or or if you're at fifth, sixth at our fourth campus through watching our Launchpad videos or whatever then you get the opportunity to give them some of that repetition of those lessons. And feel free to even use those in your language as you talk with your student. Because like we hopefully hit and repeated enough, uh, is that repetition with that adolescent brain is so crucial.
0: So So crucial. crucial. Well, and um, I love, you know, I think we know, parents, we know that we get to see your students a couple hours a week. And we want to make the most of that time by focusing on these core four. But we also know that you are their biggest influencer. Absolutely. That you are, the Lord has entrusted them to you to help shape that brain, to help uh, give them those thoughts that they grow up believing or grow up thinking. Um, and so we want to partners, so one of the reasons we're doing this podcast, yeah. we want to partner and help influence throughout the week. Yeah. You know, if we're talking about mission, we want them reflecting Jesus to their world, that's the whole week. You yeah, know, absolutely. we get to see him for a little bit, but that's the whole week. And so
1: oh, Yeah, and the opportunity to drive that home and, and I would even say for the parents listening and is to, you know, think about what are those sort of core truths that I really want to instill in my child. You know, what are the, the things from scripture, the character traits that I really want to see them grow in? And, and maybe those are these four things for us, you know, that you do mm-hmm. the same four things we do, or maybe you tack on a few or you go completely different, but, but just figuring out what are the consistent messages? What do we want to ingrain in them? You know, how are we going to react when certain things happen and bring as much consistency as we possibly can because i feel like something that that we really get to benefit from that we don't think about very often as children of god is his consistency yeah he doesn't change mm-hmm. he always handles us in the same way he doesn't change his mind his character is consistent his reactions are always the same and the more that we can emulate that for that for our kids as they're trying to navigate and figure out how do I you know, make sense of everything in this brain that I have, the more consistency that we can give them, the better.
0: Yeah, and I love that. I love that um, you know, if I were to kind of just summarize it all or just say, why is it important to know about the brain and know about your sheep? Um, it's because parents are making a difference. Absolutely right. And I hope that they're encouraged.
1: Yeah. Doesn't always feel that way. <laughs> exactly.
0: But. I hope that they're yeah. encouraged that if you don't see that now, That doesn't mean it's not true. Absolutely. And if it seems really hard right now, it is. (laughs) And it's probably going to be for a little while, but it's going to pay off and it's going to be worth it. And it's being obedient Mm -hmm. and being a representation of Jesus Christ and of the Lord, right?
1: Yeah. And that heart of stone that you might feel like you're talking to now, you never know how your continual, consistent, repetitive knocks one day... Are going to be added on to what someone else might say and end up, you know, kind of breaking that hard shell around it or giving them that light bulb moment that you may not get to be part of experiencing that, but it it will probably happen at some point yeah. as you're faithful to yeah. what the Lord has called
0: you to. Yeah. So. so I want to recommend some books, if that's okay. Yeah, that absolutely. I kind of yeah, you're, in... the,
1: you're the expert here. That obviously you got all of that research from somewhere. So yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. So my my two favorite books um, that I just loved and kind of they got me initially. Um, Interested is the first one's called Switching on Your Brain, and that's by Dr. Caroline Leaf. Now that's about the brain as a whole, so it's a lot about those thoughts you talked about that kind of act as a muscle. That's kind of what that one's about. Yeah, I actually Um, just
1: finished that book. It's it's really, really interesting. It's pretty interesting, right? So many, it's so many things about the brain that I would have never thought about
0: yeah and it's all in the scripture right Um, and then the second one is just called the teenage brain yeah um and that one obviously is more about where the teenage brain is at what's going on and there's some stories in there that i appreciated because i could kind of relate and oh so that's what's happening when that happens in my life and um so those are my two my two favorite books that i like to recommend to people awesome
1: great all right Well, thank you for joining us for this episode of the Christ Chapel Parent Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged. We want you to know that we love you. The we Love Your Students. If you would like to continue a conversation about the adolescent brain, if you would like more resources on how to love your student better, or you just want someone to buy you coffee and listen to you vent about we the crazy off-the-wall thing that your student just did. We
0: do that. Yes,
1: please, <laughs> please reach out to one of our staff members. Any of them would be happy to do that for you. We love you guys. We hope that this has been a great time of listening to a conversation that can help you when at home.
0: Thank y'all for listening. I feel like we should have a sign-off jingle. Mm-hmm. Oh, we <laughs>